Ryder Nation and William Powell bringing the energy, bringing the fight, bringing the fire every game day, every practice. Let's go, Ryder Nation. Here we go. This is the Piffles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks for joining us this week, episode 160. Nope, 176. Back to the glue factory as the riders are heading back to Calgary to play the Stampeders on Saturday. My name is Alex. I'm Steve. And I think the old gray mayor ain't what she used to be. <laughs> is that Jake Mayer? Eh, ain't what used to be. Ain't what used to be. Ain't what used to be. <laughs> We should just turn this into a karaoke podcast. No, no, we should not. I cannot carry a tune in a bucket. Yeah, you're the one that sings at the end of every single episode. And Check I'm the us one who out. cuts it out every single episode. <laughs> Check us out on Twitter at Pipples Pod. You can give me a follow at RealAlexD. Find me at Safamud. And don't follow me at Greg on Sports. I don't care. Pipples Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Let's uh, get right to it, guys. Time for the opening kickoff. And, of course, the big news for the Riders. No game to talk about from last week. They were on the bye. We'll talk about a couple other CFL stories in just a minute. But Duke Williams and Shaq Evans both practicing with the starters on Tuesday, day one of practice for the Riders coming after the bye week. Are the offensive answers fine? Like the are, are the prayers finally answered? We have our deep threats, and Cody Fajardo is going to all of a sudden turn into a great quarterback again. Three hundred yards this game. I know. Uh, I think it's going to be it's going to be good. Uh, it's, Cody's got his relief valve now with Shaq and Duke Williams. The dude's great. Like I'm surprised we could got got him on the team. I'm I'm excited. And he knows the Moss offense, so it should be pretty good. We we suddenly went from having Kyran Moore and a bunch of new guys to having two of the top five, in my opinion, receivers in the CFL. That That's a huge change. That's exactly what Cody needs. I mean, obviously, with the O-line, all they're going to be able to do is run five-yard slants, but at least they'll run good five-yard slants. Well, with a big target like Duke Williams, maybe you can have him uh... – running the slot and just chip off a defensive end every once in a while as he runs his routes you can throw up a deep ball because this is a big guy and in the cfl the corners the defensive backs they're not big generally speaking tall players or anything so you got that guy who can go up and catch a 50 50 ball if we decide to to go that route on offense but this is a huge huge deal i think just having those threats there is going to change up defenses a little bit with the way that they're approaching the riders because with Kyron Moore being your number one and Kean Schaefer Baker being your number two that doesn't really scare anybody like they, they're good players but it doesn't scare anybody all of a sudden you got Shaq Evans who top three receiver in this league probably and Duke Williams was the best receiver in this league before he went to the NFL all of a sudden 
you're getting Kyron Moore in a little bit more space. You're getting Key and Schaefer Baker going up against the fourth defensive back. That's looking pretty good for this offense. Yeah. I think that's where the biggest change is. Not necessarily the guys at the top. I don't know that either of them will have a huge effect on this upcoming game. But suddenly having a guy who's shown up against the top two DBs, getting that, you know, that third or fourth look in Keon Schaefer-Baker, that's a huge difference. I think that's where uh, we see the change. I think he has a monster game. Uh, if you have, if you do CFL fantasy, take him 100% because he's going over 100 yards. Oh, and that's it. A rising tide lifts all boats. So all of a sudden you throw in two giant tidal waves to go deep down, uh, downfield. Kyron Moore can do that stuff he, he, he's known to do. You can give him those short ones. He does that quick cut and he's going to get space. And I, this should help the offense. It's just going to be a question. Is he going to have time? Is Cody going to have time against that Calgary defensive line? Because they punched us in the face last game. And teams haven't really had to respect the deep, the deep ball since week one of the, of the CFL season. Suddenly you have to. That changes how they play against us. I, I think that alone gives Cody more time. I think that you have to respect all, fa- all facets of this offense where you didn't have to a week ago. And I'll harp on it. Give the ball to William Powell more. It did not happen in those other two games against Calgary. Give him the ball more because if you do that, it's going to just open up. You can actually run some play action now that you have these guys at receiver. You can actually take your chances and and be able to run the ball. And and just it changes absolutely every dynamic of this offense. And I can't stress how important these <laughs> these two guys are to this offense. I mean, football is not a game where okay, one person makes the entire team, but two of them, it might make the entire offense here for the Riders. So really excited to get them into the lineup. Well, to touch on to your point, play action only works if they actually think you're going to hand off the ball. If, if you're not actually... Yeah, so run it in the first. If you've, yeah, well, because it was the game in, in Regina. I think they ran like eight play actions right off the hop and Calgary did not think Powell was getting the ball at all. And you could tell. They knew he wasn't going to get the ball. They did not respect Powell getting the ball, and the Riders couldn't get off to get anything going. Now, of course, the Riders coming off the bye. Five games left in the season, three in a row on the road after this, uh, or starting with this week in Calgary, in Montreal, then in Edmonton. I know the Edmonton Elks are kind of a dumpster fire, but I know it's too early to look at that game, so you can't overlook it anyway, but... How many, especially when we talk about the playoff stretch here, how many of these next three home or away games must the Riders win if they want any chance at having a home playoff game? Is it, It's got to be all three, three, right? I think so. Realistically, I think the Riders have to go 5-0 and to close out the year. Calgary's got a solid, a fairly easy schedule for the most part. They've got four games left. I think I think the Riders have to go five and zero, and it has to. Well, obviously, it has to start on Saturday, but that's the big one. You lose that, you lose any shot at uh, at a home playoff game, in my opinion. Well, technically speaking, the Riders already lost the uh, already lost the uh, tiebreaker with the Stamps. So, yeah, they definitely going five and zero will help them out. Uh, honestly, I think Calgary is the hardest game out of all of them. You got Montreal with. 
maybe Trevor Harris, if he's going to have the playbook by then, and then you got Edmonton and yeah, they're tire fire. And then Hamilton, they're Jekyll and Hyde. You don't know who you're getting when you play them right now. But yeah, winning this game is a, yeah. a must at this point. Yeah, not a must if you're looking just to make the playoffs, but if you want to host that, uh, we'll call it a million dollar game with, uh, you know, having the home playoff game has been proven that you basically get a million dollars in revenue just based off owning that game. So with coming out of a, a pandemic where money's a little bit uh, sparse here, that's actually kind of one of those things that it's like, you know what, we could really, really use that game. Of course, obviously Calgary and BC could use the game a little bit more than the riders because the riders will still sell the merch leading the league in, in ticket sales and whatnot, but still, for every franchise, that's a huge, huge game this but year. But also, just for the riders, like state of mind, if the five games they've lost in the West are to only Calgary and Winnipeg, and they end up sweeping BC and Edmonton, what does that prove? Literally, what does that prove? And you're going to have to play Calgary and BC in the playoffs, or Calgary and Winnipeg in the playoffs yeah. anyway. So, uh, yeah, they they need to. They can't obviously they can't beat Winnipeg until the playoffs. So right now, now is a good time to beat Calgary. But we'll talk about uh, this upcoming game against Calgary a little bit more with Danny Austin of Post Media. He's the Stamps beat reporter out in Calgary. He'll join us in a little bit here. Um, that's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty. Let's get to the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. Greg, you hinted at this already with the Montreal game next week for the Riders, potentially with Trevor Harris, because he was traded from Edmonton to Montreal for defensive end Antonio Simmons. And I don't really know what to make of this trade quite yet, because basically what that tells me is that Vernon Adams is actually done for the year. That six game injury or the list that he's on he'll be on it for the whole thing because I can't imagine that you make this move to panic if you know he's going to be back in a couple weeks. Oh, and that's why I said, I heard that pretty early that that six was the minimum. So I heard between six and 12. So it sucks for VA. I just shocked the Montreal win got Trevor Harris. Um, considering our, our, our buckles supposedly out there too. So. Oh, good sounds... for Montreal for being able to trade a injured defensive end as well. Well, that tells you how bad Edmonton wanted to get rid of him, too. Like literally, it was the uh, football version of a bag of pucks, is what they traded Trevor Harris for. But I they they, they traded him for the cap space and nothing else. You get you get his money off the books. That that's a win right there, especially if you've already thrown in the towel for the twenty twenty one season. You're not bringing Trevor Harris back next year. There's no reason to bring him back. He he didn't show enough to to be your long-term option. So you might as well unload him and have that extra cap space to to maybe throw a few signing bonuses at the end of the year. What surprised me most about the trade, though, is right away, uh, the, the word out of Montreal is Trevor Harris isn't coming in to be the starter. That their, their plan is to go with Schiltz. I don't know if I believe that. But that's interesting that they'd come out and say it right off the bat. Although you know you got to play Schiltz this week, so you don't want to. You don't want to go in this week with Dead Man Walking uh, being chanted as he as he comes out of the tunnel. But yeah. I still don't understand the point of trades in the CFL. Like this, 
like I said, this was a bag of pucks, but you knew Edmonton was going to have to get Harris off the books anyway. All you had to do is wait a week. Who else is going to go out and sign him? Ottawa? Like, they Montreal could have waited. No, no, Ottawa has their uh, Ottawa has their new quarterback with uh, Duck. No, Caleb? um, with the per- Flacco, Flacco, Tom Flacco. They signed Flacco. He, uh, he yeah, they signed Tom Flacco. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> no, no, they're they're signing our our castoffs. Yeah, Flacco, yep. Duck Hodges, Caleb Evans. Please. If you had that as your quarterback depth chart at the at the end of the season before the season started. Uh, I I've got a bridge or at oceanfront property in Saskatchewan to sell you. I still want to see them trade nickels for Arbuckle just so the total chaos can reign. <laughs> but I don't know. This this Harris trade makes I guess good for Montreal to have a backup for Shields, but I nothing I've seen of Trevor Harris this year, and he's on the Tom Brady system, which you think would I would be all for. Uh, I I don't. I don't know what happened to him. He's not what he used to be. I don't know if he was a culture fit problem or what. <laughs> well, that was part of it, but also, uh, I mean, I mean, not playing for a while and you're a veteran player like Trevor Harris, who's what, 36 years old. Like you're getting up there in terms of football age anyway. And that's just one of those things. Maybe that year off was one of those bad things we've seen it being good for a couple players but it's also a bad thing so maybe that was one of those bad things and Schultz has looked pretty good for for Montreal granted the last couple of weeks they played Ottawa both times but Schultz has been in that offense for a few years he knows it and they're comfortable with him he runs it he's been running it a little bit more effectively than Vernon Adams even though Vernon's the starter and and to me the superior talent and and will win more games than Schultz will but Schultz has that offense and knows it. So I can't see this trade making Trevor Harris the starter in, in Montreal. I just, I, I, it's a great backup to have. You asked me if you want to have Trevor Harris as a backup. Yeah, I would actually, but that's what he's kind of relegated to. All right. So there's the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. We uh, we've skipped this the last couple of weeks, guys, but I've been saving this one for a specific reason. Piffle's memories where uh, we, someone gives us a game and we remember just, we just remember what we remember about that game. And uh, someone gave this to us. And of course we're playing the stamps for the last time, at least in the regular season this year, the 2010 West final in Calgary. I'll let you guys go ahead with what you remember first. Obviously Saskatchewan wasn't expected to win. Um and you kind of, you didn't, I don't know, 20, 2009, after everything happened there, and you, you knew you wanted the Riders to make the Grey Cup again, and you already knew it was going to be against Montreal because they were waiting for us. Um, it just felt right, but that Calgary team that year was really good. <laughs> so, you, like, no one ex- actually expected the Riders to actually win that game. Kind of had shades of the 1989 game where the Riders weren't expected to do anything against a powerhouse Edmonton team. Calgary was that team. They were 13 and five, 14 and four, something like that. Trying to, trying to remember off the top of my head, but they were, they were a great team. And unlike the year before in 2009, there, there didn't, there wasn't a point where we knew we were winning that game. It didn't feel like we had won that game until 
the, the game was over. 2009, we rolled through that game. You know, it was it was a completely different thing uh, in, in both situations. And I enjoyed the 2010 game a lot more. It was a little more nerve-wracking. Now, this is when I was living in Calgary. That was one of the coldest I've ever been at a game. That was flipping cold. Like, I, it was... It felt like it was probably about minus 30 with the windshield. Like that was a cold, cold game. So we're all decked up in our jackets and 14 layers underneath. Like it was a sweaty mess underneath at the end of the game. But I'll never forget that. Like that, And this was the height of the, the Stamps-Riders rivalry with Henry Burris and against the Riders and Darian Durant still being, you know, in his prime. The one thing I'll remember, of course, is the Jarrell Freeman fumble recovery, where the ball goes it's off the, it was the, on the punt, the ball got kicked around, and I don't even remember if it was a block kick or not, um, but the ball ended up going into the end zone, and Jarrell Freeman ended up recovering it when there's like four stamps around him, he was the only rider there, the stamps recover that, they win the game, they have enough points, and, that, and that's the game right there, because I think it was a four-point game, but Jarrell Freeman got that football it was a touchback and that pretty much saved the entire game and then he went to the nfl of course later and but that was, whatever rider fans like oh gave him 100 bucks i think yeah. uh there was a story about a fan giving him 100 bucks thanks for saving that game here's a here's a tip right so <laughs> that's a pretty cool story from that but i just remember that being the coldest game i think i've ever been at and having the the milk jugs filled with uh pennies when those were a thing still, I think there was a couple of nickels in there as well too, and shaking those as loud as we could. And it was just a awesome, awesome game to be at just because of the atmosphere. And, but other than that, I just remember it being really cold and taking another day of hot showers just to oh, warm up. And that's up. also another, that's like might... also a game where uh, gets laugh cemented his uh, legend as a stamp killer, 109 yards, I think, or hundred and some yards, a couple touchdowns, like, like Getzloff played always played the best in Calgary. So there's the 2010 West final. Of course, the Riders winning that and then not winning their Grey Cup because that's what the Riders seem to do um, against Montreal. <laughs> but there's uh, a Piffle's memory. So if you guys have listening, want us to uh, kind of remember any games, uh, keep in mind a lot of these were. Uh, we were we were younger and we were uh, enjoying some uh, festivities in Memories the stands as well too. So I I, I can't give you uh, specific memories about the game itself. I can give you atmosphere stuff, but keep them coming. Let's uh, we'll continue that with the Pillows podcast as we go. All right, time to get to our enemy preview this week. Of course, it's a very familiar team for us here with the Riders. It's the Calgary Stampeders. Again, as we finish off Stamptober this Saturday, we have joining us right now from, looks like a really weird park in Calgary, uh, Danny Austin of uh, Post Media, uh, the Stamps beat reporter. Danny, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm. Uh, you're right, I am in a park. Um, I think that I'm next to a library, but it's definitely closed. Uh, there's a lot of people who are going to think that I'm homeless. Uh, I'm just kind of like sitting here, like talking to you guys. Cause not that I forgot, but I like kind of misjudged my timing. So I can't get home and have to talk to you guys. Uh, so we're just doing this on zoom and 
uh, having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the big, big thing this week for this game, Riders and Stamps, is this is a brand new Riders team that the Stamps are going to see as opposed to the last couple games. The Riders are going to get Duke Williams making his rider debut and potentially having Shaq Evans back. He was first day of practice, practicing a little bit with the starters, with the riders. Are there any worries, Danny, out in Calgary, that uh, this is a new team that the, uh, the stamps haven't yet played with these guys in the lineup? So like what I'll do is I will like create a bit of a separation here. Like I think that there are legitimate worries about this game. Uh, I also think that the stamps were two and five and now are five and five. Like they can afford to lose this game. Uh, I think that like, this loss would hurt the riders more than it would the Stampeders. So um, I think that like, they know that they just won two or three, they won the season series. Um, I don't think that three weeks ago, anyone was talking about the Stampeders having a shot at second in the West. Right. And like, if they lose this game, they're not getting second in the West. Like they're going to have to go on the road for that first playoff game, no matter what there's just, you look at the rider schedule, the riders, if they win on Saturday will be the second place team. There's no question about that. Um, but look, I mean, if you're talking about like this game specifically, like let's let's separate all of the standings. The Riders were a better team than they were a couple weeks ago. Shaq Evans, I, I I will say it without question. He's a top five receiver in the league. He's like on a good day, I might put him top one or two. I I think he's an incredible incredible receiver. And like Duke Williams, Dave Dickinson said this today. He's like the one thing that doesn't happen is guys go get NFL coaching and get worse. That's not how it works. Duke Williams is not coming back as a worse receiver than he was in Edmonton. And he was the best receiver in the league uh, when he was with Edmonton. So uh, you guys got a good one, man. And I think that, I think that the stamps have the best DB group in the league. I think that um, you get one of these big, tall, fast guys, you can jump. And I don't care how good a CFL DB is. The reality is they probably can't out jump one a guy like duke williams so i i, I think it's a huge signing I, I honestly think like i'm so sick of this overconfidence in winnipeg i covered stampeders teams that dominated the league and then lost excuse my language in the gray cup constantly uh i think duke williams could be a game changer for them i don't know that he's going to be a game changer in week one but uh yeah i think that the stampeders are very conscious of the deep threat that the the riders now have uh, one place where Stampeder fans and Ryder fans find common ground is trashing the Bombers. I love it. Honestly, but- it's not that I'm trashing the Bombers. I apologize for, like, interrupting you. It's the way that the Bombers are covered, not by the local guys, but by TSN. And, like, I could probably answer every question here just bashing TSN, and I'm not going to do it. But, like, like it's they're being treated as if they're, like, God's gift. They the injuries are finally starting to hit. Like I covered Stampeders teams that looked unbeatable. And ultimately like you got to win at the end of the year. You don't have to win in September. And I just, I don't, I think the Bombers are a great team with a lot of talent, but this is like the idea that this season is over. I'm just so sick of it. It's, it, it's, it's crap. Now you mentioned that the, the Stampeders were two and five before they played the Riders a few weeks back. What, what's changed in Calgary? Like, what has led to this resurgence uh, in this Stampeders team? Uh, it's a combination of a couple things. First of all, I'm like, you guys are going to hate this. Um, Bolivar Mitchell, number one. Uh, he was still throwing <laughs> interceptions. Um, I, like, really didn't understand what was going on with Bo earlier in the year. Um, and then, like, it was 
not explained to me by people on the team, but like, I kind of like had a thought and I, and I explored it. Um, he did not play for 18 months. He had shoulder surgery in the off season. He obviously was not able to like stay in perfect shape. He then had a groin injury that kept him out of training camp. Like guys, of course he was bad early. Like, what are we talking about here? Of course he was bad early. Um, and then he also fractured his fibula and somehow ended up playing in a game, which like, but he, he wasn't great early in the season. And I, 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 the offense has a lot of new pieces. They just weren't clicking. The defense was never that bad. Uh, special teams. I, I believe that the Stampeders have the best special teams unit in the league. And I don't think it's close. Um, but when Bo got back, when Bo got back to like being in full health and like actually just kind of being able to move the ball and keep, I'm not even talking about touchdowns. I'm talking about like keeping the offense on the field so the defense could rest. That's where we saw the improvement. The second thing is they lost the Labor Day classic and two things happened in that game. One, there was no pressure on Trevor Harris. Trevor Harris is not a good quarterback. Good luck, Montreal. Like guys, I'm sorry. We've all been watching the CFL for long enough. Like, who thinks Trevor Harris is an elite quarterback in this league? He's not. But if you give him five seconds, he's going to find his receivers. There is no pressure from the defensive end positions. The Stampeders have started getting pressure. That means that this DB group actually has a chance of getting their hands on balls, of, of, of doing proper coverage, of locking guys down. And I think that we saw in those two Stamps Riders games, like earlier this month, like the difference in those games. They were very close games. I, I know that people in Saskatchewan were super bummed to lose both. You guys could have won both. But the ultimate, like, the difference was that there was no protection for Cody Gajardo. Like, the, the Stamps D-line just ate them alive. It stole their lunch money. It was, like, high school bullying. It was so ugly. Um, and I honestly, like, I think that the D-line, there were a couple of young pieces, and they, they just, Sean Lemon had to get going. Uh, but, like, Bo and the D-line are, are, are the big differences in this team. I just want to expand on the D-line a little bit because you mentioned Mike Rose bullying the riders. Sean Lemons had a little bit of a resurgence here in the, I guess we'll call it the back half of the CFL season. With this riders O-line, which has been very suspect all season long, and we've known that going, going into the season, do you find, like, the Stamps don't even need to blitz to get pressure on Cody Fajardo, and we've seen that in the first couple of games. Is anything going to change this week, or are they going to show – maybe some different looks to, to actually blitz for Jardo, or are they just going to go rush four and that's it? Uh, I mean, I think they're going to rush four. Like, I think that's largely like they know that it works. Um, but uh, like, look, they're, they're going to change things up. The reality is what I expect will happen in this game is it's, it, it's any bye week game. And I, I think that like the bye week we have to acknowledge, like, again, it's, it's the Stampeders came out and in game one against the Riders, the first two drives, every play had been mapped out for two weeks. Like, like they, they literally like the riders didn't have a hope because as long as the ball was delivered where it should have been, they had been like mapping it out. I expect that the riders will get out to an early lead here. Um, or to be perfectly honest, like the stamps will just also just crush them in the early going, which they sometimes do. But like, I, I, I think that the riders are a good enough team that that's not going to happen. I think that like, um, they will have, whether it's blocking with the running back, whether it's, it's whatever it is, like they just, they know. Like Craig Dickens is not an idiot. He's he, he's a good football coach. Um, protecting Cody Fajardo is the only way that this football team wins wins playoff games. And um, this is a team that is going to have to win three playoff games to win the Great Cup. But more importantly, like I think that like success. What what does success look like for this Riders team? It, it, it ultimately, with the way the Bombers are playing, involves getting to the West Final. West Final is a crapshoot. If you beat them, that's great. If not. 
you can't be too mad. This is a good Bombers team. I, I honestly think that, like, it, it, the only way that they win a single playoff game is more protection. And I don't know if they have I'm, – I'm being honest. Again, I'm not trying to be a jerk, like being the Calgary guy, like talking trash about the Riders, but, like, I don't see it. I don't think that they have the – I don't think they have the horses in the stable, to use a Calgary expression. Like, I just – I, I know, I know. You do, I deserve to get food, but, like, I just – I watched, man. And, like, you, you brought up McRose, I brought up McRose. Like, he was just, like, bursting through. There were just, like, holes that shouldn't be there. Like, it's a it's – a, it's a football IQ thing. Like that's not an athleticism thing. That's just like literally understanding how to block an elite CFL defensive tackle. And they didn't have it. So um, I think the riders, if, if I, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it later. So I don't want to like spoil it, but like, I think the riders should win this game. I don't mind that they're favorites even away from home, but like, man, like that O-line is going to be the difference. Like it's going to be the whole story for this team this season. No, of course, a big story in Calgary. Trey Robertson back from the NFL. Where the hell are the stamps going to put him? It's not like they need him. <laughs> it's literally like – so I put it out on Twitter about an hour ago. I was like, okay, if you can sign one former stamp. Because it is worth noting that the last three seasons, the stamps have had a minimum of four guys get NFL contracts. Like, it's insane. Um, and I, I part of that is now that agents realize you go to Calgary – they're not going to hold you back to prevent you taking that NFL deal, right? Like we're talking Alex Singleton, Jameer Thurman, Deshaun Amos, uh, Nick, Nate Hawley, like, like Winton McManus. There's a long, long, long list of these guys. Um, like the reality is like the VB group is not where they need help. So like you're getting Trey Robertson, who I believe was the best boundary corner in the league. I think Raheem Wilson has been great at boundary corner. Um, so I'll say this on your podcast. I'm not going to write this in print, but like, I think part of it is Jamar Wall, who's currently their safety, has traditionally been their Sam, is completely unvaccinated right now, as far as I can tell. And he may not be able to travel for the playoffs. So getting Trey Robertson back, you're getting another guy who he's he's not playing against Ottawa. This is hilarious what's happening right now. I just there's a big shopping cart walking by me in this park. So we're just gonna walk over here so that we don't make too much noise. Uh, good podcasting here, but this is what happens when you podcast in a park. Um I think Trey, like, look, I think that the way that Trey played, competition never hurts. Um, you, he may just get into the boundary corner and he may move Raheem. He may lose, he may move to Sean Amos. But I do think that, like, I think the vaccination thing is part of this. And I, and I do think that, like, uh, their starting safety this year was Royce Matchy. Royce Matchy is out for the year and you may need a, a safety you could play. So you may have to move one of those guys into safety and having Trey helps. But, I also, as I said, Trey's an elite player, man. Like he had, like he was second in the league in interceptions and he would have had more if he hadn't been cast. Um, it doesn't hurt. My answer is he's going to be boundary corner because that's where you have to play the best boundary corner in the league. But I don't like, I honestly, nothing would surprise me. I don't want to go too deep into the whole COVID and vaccination thing, but I mean, you brought it up and it's going to be a thing coming here at the end of the month with travel. Do you see, and you don't have to name names if you don't want to, or with what you, with what you know about who's vaccinated, who's unvaccinated, it doesn't really matter. But do you see that there's going to be um, a lot of players in the CFL that aren't able to actually play in November and December just because of these new rules with travel coming in? No, I mean, I think that most, I think we're like, even the teams that aren't at that 85%, like 85% is kind of what we've been looking at because that's what, like when you get to 85%, you don't lose all your money if if you 
can't play a game. Um, I don't think that that, like, I think my impression is that the Stampeders are around that 80% mark. Let's remember that there's what, like 60 players. Like, so you can get a couple extra guys. I know guys have been vaccinated during the season. Um, I think that God bless Dave Naylor. Uh, but once he got done talking about the XFL all the time, this thing seems to be his main thing. Uh, I think like the majority, the vast majority of players are vaccinated and, um, with the St. Peter's look, I, I said it, like my impression, and I, it, he puts it on Twitter. He talks about anti-vax stuff all the time. So uh, I feel comfortable saying that Jamar Wall, as far as I can tell, I don't know that, but like, as far as I can tell, is not vaccinated. He certainly has skepticism about it. Um, that would be a big loss. Um, in a game like football, where guys have to sacrifice for their teammates, that's the whole name of the game. Um, I, I, I don't understand how he could make that decision to not get vaccinated going into the playoffs. Um, I've heard there's a number of names out there uh, that I, I don't think I should say because I don't know. Uh, I will say that I've heard a Hamilton quarterback is not vaccinated. Uh, what do you do if your quarterback and the CFL is saying you are not allowed to travel, you're not allowed to drive to games. So Hamilton to Toronto, it doesn't matter. Like if you can't board a plane, you're not allowed to play. If Jeremiah Mazzoli isn't vaccinated, and I'm not saying that he's not, but like, you know, that, that's the rumor. Um, like, I don't know. What do you do? It, it's obviously a concern. I just don't, I just, I would be really like, if it, I don't know. I'm not answering your question. I think it would be crazy for a football player not to get vaccinated. I think it's crazy for anyone to not get vaccinated. But if you're a football player and you don't get vaccinated and you cost, you don't play in a playoff game, you should not expect a contract the next year. I'll tell you that. I hope that's a strong enough answer that like, I like, I'd like tried to beat around the bush as much as I could. <laughs> Try to figure out the rules. Cause they, they said, if you can't travel, you can't play. But if let's say you're the Winnipeg blue bomber and you're, you're playing the game at home at for the West final, if you're unvaccinated, are you able to play even though your team is not traveling? Like there's a lot of confusion uh, yes. around that. Yes. rule. My understanding is yes. My understanding is you are not allowed to travel. Like it is the rule reads as it, as it is like, it is not, it is specifically what they are saying. The reason that the CFL added the like no travel rule is basically if you're a Saskatchewan player, who's not vaccinated and you can't get on a plane, then you're also not allowed to drive to Winnipeg. You're not allowed to drive to Calgary. If you're a Calgary player, you're not allowed to drive to Edmonton. Like that's the thing that they're trying to do is like prevent that issue, which like just makes sense. Um, but if you are the home team, my understanding is you're allowed to play. Gives an extra bonus yeah. to uh, to those teams finishing first in their respective divisions. Yeah, but then they can't yeah. go to the Grey Cup <laughs> unless unless it's Hamilton. <laughs> no, actually. Yeah. Well, Naylor reported tonight that anyone unvaccinated can't play in the Grey Cup. So, oh. so it, it ends at the, uh, huh. the the West Final and East Final. That's interesting. I want to be very, very clear that that nonsense. That makes no sense. You're you can't go to the West Final, but you can go to the Grey Cup. Like, what are we talking about? Here? No, you can't. If you're if you're unvaccinated, you can't play. Like C A N T. Can't. Yes. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, and like, I don't know, like, to be perfectly honest, like if I'm a football coach and like I have guys who are like, you know, potentially like 
one guy's, you know, an 88% player on, on Madden and the other guy's an 84, but is a couple years younger. And one guy won't get vaccinated. I think I start playing the guy who's 84. Yeah. You know, like, so yeah, I don't know. I got, you guys can ask more questions, but I don't know where else to go with that. <laughs> well, let's get uh, back to this game here. Um, predictions. You're saying that the Riders are favored. I don't know how that can be possible with a team that's lost back-to-back games with the O-line looking the way they are, obviously. Yeah, they have Shaq and Duke into the lineup. But the way that Calgary played, especially that <laughs> defense and special teams in Winnipeg, or sorry, in BC last week, they owned that game. I don't know how this Riders team is going to score more than two touchdowns. So are we asking me specifically? Uh, yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah. Do you, like, um, do you, do you see this being a higher scoring game? I mean, or is it no, going to be a low scoring touchdown. game like we've seen? Um, to be honest, like, there's, I, I do not see it being a high, like that's my answer. Like there's no way this is a high scoring game. Um, I mean, this is the CFL we're talking about. So in 2021, no games are high scoring because we all just have to pretend that it's good defense and not bad offense. Um, but, <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. Like, I think that I like, I am sort of at the point with the Stampeders and like, I'm coming off a three game one streak guys. Right. But like, I also like, they lost to Hamilton before that three game win streak in a game where like the defense didn't allow a touchdown. Like the, this defense has been exceptional um, since the Labor Day classic when they had a really, really bad game. And, to their credit, they, they did the gut check moment. Um, I think it's possible that, that the riders with these new receivers can put up points. Um, but I honestly think that like, even with that, the improvements that I've seen in Bill Levy and Mitchell are probably like negate any improvements in the receiving core for the riders. Um, unless the O-line sets up. So I, I think that the reason why I would, if I were if I were to pick the riders, which I'm about to not do because you guys called me the enemy or whatever, I don't know what you guys said. Uh, <laughs> the reasons why I would pick the riders is that they're coming off a buy. Um, my reason for picking the stamps is that like, I'm seeing a confidence in this group that I just like didn't see early in the season. Uh, but honestly, like I just, I don't think the riders are going to put up big points against the Stampeders group. And I think that if you don't put up points against a Bo Levi Mitchell, who's improving, He's going to, like, I, I don't know. I, I just see it being, like, a, a comfortable 8- to 10-point victory for the State Beaters. And so that's the, uh, that's the prediction, stamps by 8 or 10? I think that these two losses did serious psychological damage to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. In the same way that I think losing twice to the Bombers, um, I will tell you, I went, I saw Anderson Cooper on the walk to the bar, but I was with a couple of Saskatchewan media guys and you forget it covering the Stampeders, but like one of the media guys put his head in his hands and he was like, he described it as being like the undertaker in WWE where you have them down and all you need to do is go for the pin. And then the undertaker just sits up straight. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, we just didn't kill them when we had the chance. And like, that's, I, I think that the, the riders will regret losing these two games. I think the riders are still a good football team. I'm not saying that they're not in the West semifinal, but I think that uh, it's tough when you lose two. And I think that losing the winning the second game, they should have, I think that you lose those first two. And I think the team, it's some big brother shit, right? Like I, I just, I think the St. Peter's have their number. 
Well, Danny, always a pleasure uh, chatting some football with you. And uh, okay. may I also say, can I say one last like nice thing just so that people don't hate me who listen to this podcast? The I, I, fa- I kind of like the hate that you get. <laughs> I, I know. People like, really do hate me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so funny. People either love me or hate me. I will say that, like, good Lord, Regina is the best. Regina is my favorite trip on the entire CFL circuit, man. Like, like literally the number of fans who, like, come up and they're like, you asshole. And then they are like, can we buy you a drink? And I'm like, I'm working, man. Like, I can't work. I can't, I can't, I can't take a drink. But, like, it's all good people. And I love Saskatchewan. And, like, honestly, the league is better when the riders are in contention. So, honestly, if they beat the Stamps, that's rad. It, may, it makes the rest of the season more fun. All right. Danny, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, enjoy the rest of uh, the downtown Calgary Park scene that, uh, that you're in right now. Thanks again to Danny Austin joining us here on the Piffles Podcast from uh, a downtown Calgary outside of a library in a park. So that's uh, that's After a new watching one for The Bachelor. Us. <laughs> I'm a, I, I'm in Calgary and Danny didn't invite me. I feel kind of insulted. You should feel insulted. I should. <laughs> and I'm well, proud of get, Danny. Well, let's get to our pick em here. There's four games this week, back to normal. We have, uh, starting on Friday, one game, a big one in the East Division, Toronto at Montreal. Game that's uh, set up for first place. Toronto. Toronto. Yeah, Toronto going up against uh, Matthew Schultz's team, who I said that they played pretty well, but that was also against Ottawa. I'm going Toronto as well, too. I think the East is theirs to lose. And then we have a triple header on Saturday. Starts out with the East Division game, Ottawa at Hamilton. I think we're all in agreement here. I would take the Regina Thunder over Ottawa at this point. And I like like the Regina Thunder, but they're a junior team, and they would still beat Ottawa. So, yes, Hamilton. (laughs) Hamilton by double yeah. digits. Hamilton. Ottawa can only beat Edmonton. Um, the middle game, which is a pretty big game, BC at Winnipeg. Before you guys make your picks, if Winnipeg wins this, they clinch first place in the West with four games to go with a bye week sandwiched in between. And then they would have a bye week in the first week of the playoffs. They would go 43 days without a meaningful game in the season that's absolutely crazy to me we've Good. seen it happen where there's been three weeks but this is going to be six weeks in between games for the for the bombers if they win this without anything to play for and it's amazing that this is happening in a shortened season you'd think with 14 games you, you'd have more meaningful games at the end of the year to lock it up with four games left that's incredible that shows you where they are right now I hope they win just so that uh, they do have that 40-day stretch. They entered the season the best team, the most complete team, and everyone else is playing catch-up. So it's hopefully someone can knock them off because I don't want them to win again. We saw what happened last time they win. One. Wow. Pandemic. Two-year-old grammar there. Yeah. Yeah. So if they they win this year, what's going to happen next? Bees, Sh- shut dogs down with the bees league. in their mouth. <laughs> and when they bark, the bees shoot out. <laughs> Do your worst. Robotic, Robotic Richard, Richard Simmons. Simmons. I don't know. <laughs> I want to say BC is going to keep this game competitive, just because I think Winnipeg is kind of looking ahead with this. But BC just got absolutely crushed at home by Calgary. 
by that Calgary defense and special teams. And this Winnipeg defense is better than Calgary. I can't see Winnipeg losing this at home. Winnipeg's going to wipe the floor with them and clinch first. I, yeah, I hate to say it. I'm taking Winnipeg too. Yeah, it's going to be Winnipeg. Let them go 13 and one, think they're the greatest team of all time, and then get absolutely clobbered at home in the West final. That would uh, turn the most. That no would crossovers. Be we just go there, punch them right in the mouth. That's how it's going to that, be. That would be great. I would love nothing more than to see that, especially hearing them for the last two years. Oh, we're the reigning Grey Cup champions. No, you're not. You're the 2019 Grey Cup champions. That's where it ends. So it'd be nice for them to get knocked off their pedestal, but <laughs> it's kind of hard to bet against them right now. Well, that's going to do it for us here on the Piffles Podcast this week. Thanks so much for joining us. Of course, Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Alpha. Are, are we, we going to riders? Or are we just going to pick the rider game? game? Oh, hey, how about that? <laughs> are you, are you just assuming we're on the riders? Yeah, because I'm going to pick the riders. <laughs> you can keep that in there, Greg, too. So I might. <laughs> so the, st- the stamps hosting the riders. I. We'll let you guys go. I, I'm going to steal a book or a page from Greg's book. I'm calling this guaranteed win night. The no, writers win. probable win night. We don't, nope. especially nope. you. You cannot guarantee anything. There's a reason I'm why you are not allowed it. to buy jerseys. No. I'm guaranteeing it. No. It's happening. Uh, I actually, I think the writers realize this is where they need to put up or shut up. Um, losing this game makes a long road to, uh, to travel. So I think they're going to win this one. I want to agree with you guys. I think coming off the bye week and getting the, the two receivers back, uh, potentially having Shaq back in the starting lineup is, is absolutely massive. And it's going to really show us what this team down the stretch will be, but I can't trust that offensive line against that deal, that D line that Calgary has the way that they put up sacks against uh, Michael Riley last week in BC and the way that they've played the Riders so far I just the, the Riders need to score 30 points to win and I can't see them putting up 30 points because this defense is just too damn good in Calgary and they're getting better with Trey Roberson coming back so I don't want to say it but I do have the Stamps winning this game well if we, the, lose the good news week, is, if we lose money this week for charity, I blame Steve. The, the good news is we've been doing really well the last few weeks with our charity picks. So the fact that two of us went with the riders bodes well. I think that over overtakes my guaranteed win. And we win then this week. <laughs> All right. Now I think that's going to do it for the Piffles podcast <laughs> this week. Thanks so much for joining us. Of course, the Piffles podcast. Brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elvinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal Page Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making this show possible. We're a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network as well. As we leave you, this is a great Sasky Tyler Gilbert, Ghost Behind Your Mind. <laughs>